Happy New Year, and welcome to this MGMA podcast. I'm Chris Harrop, Senior Editorial Manager for MGMA. Today, I'd like to share my recent conversation with Paul J. Long, who's part of the Speaker Showcase at the MGMA 19 State Leaders Conference, being held January 24th through the 26th here in Denver. In addition to being an author and a podcast host, Paul is also president of Nose Bandage Project, a nonprofit focused on pediatric cancer awareness. I got to connect with Paul on a couple of topics that are very pertinent to healthcare, including workplace culture, burnout, and finding purpose in your work life and personal life. We also got to connect over the fact that we're both Kansas City natives and big Royals baseball fans, as you'll hear throughout our conversation. He's planning on sharing more of these insights on Friday, January 25th, here in Denver at the State Leaders Conference. So without further ado, here's a bit of our recent chat. I did get a chance to look at the book a little bit before we talked today, Connecting to Life Through FUN. Yes, sir. I loved I love this one little quote that's in there. To maximize life experience, all we can do is live with purpose and learn from our experiences, which is not the same as dwelling on them. That's which right. I think is such a great reminder for people, especially in the audience that we have for healthcare, that man, there's a lot of challenges, but just getting consumed by them and dwelling on them, that's it doesn't do anything to fix it. Sure. You know, Chris, I've, I'm certain that you've seen a million speakers in your day or, or just shy of a million. And one of the things that, uh, that I struggle with is many of us speakers are talking about the same thing. I mean, this isn't rocket science. We all deal with challenges. Every single one of the individuals in the audience at the MGMA conference, uh, every single individual that I've ever crossed paths with, everybody has struggled through something or has been faced with challenge. And so it's not a matter of, you know, mitigating those challenges. It's what do you do to get through them when they do happen? And that's what I call fundamism. And that's what the book is all about. And of course, fundamism, the key phrase there is F-U-N fun. Mm -hmm. So let's just chat a little bit about the F in the F-U-N, which is foundation, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Everything that makes you tick. So you mentioned, Chris, earlier experiences. So, you know, your experiences in life help form your belief system. Uh, that belief system then drives your behaviors and those behaviors can uh, create any emotion. So oftentimes, if you're having a bad day or a bad week or whatever it may be, I believe that you could trace it back to some experiences in your life that created this mindset and your belief system that got you to a place where you are. So it's my belief that if you're unhappy with your experience in life, well, then introduce new life experiences. So that means gravitate towards the things that give you strength self-reflect, have a strong understanding of what your personal characteristics are and your purpose, and make sure that that purpose manifests itself in all that you do. You just touched upon reflection. I think back one of the first jobs I ever had after moving to Colorado, during the interview, I was given a word inventory self-assessment. In one column, you pick the words that you associate with yourself. In the other column, the words that you think others view you as. Of course, those lists of words you know, at first they may seem a little hokey, but then you start thinking for a few seconds and the words in column A aren't necessarily the ones in column B sometimes. Right. So uh, one of the few things that you've discussed in some of your other speeches on foundation are, you know, how do you view yourself, especially when it comes to your purpose and how would others describe you? Can you talk a little bit more about why those elements are really important in your view? Absolutely. Well, so the first thing and the topic is introduced under purpose. And so a lot of folks, quite honestly, Chris, and you know this, they, they don't know what their purpose is 
or they haven't found it yet. They're living it every single day, but they haven't made a conscious decision to just stop and think about what it is and how it's manifesting itself and all that they do. So we do a little fun exercise where I have individuals and in any group Define their personality in three words. And what's interesting about that is I find there's two people in this world. There's the person that we are and there's the person that we reveal ourselves to be. So oftentimes when you define yourself as, as three you know, words, when you reach out to several other individuals, people that know you or, or that are in your circle or maybe folks that you only connect with on a semi-annual basis, it doesn't necessarily matter how often, but they see you differently. So we take that exercise one step further after you define your personality. I actually have folks reach out via cell phone to five, six, seven individuals in their circle and has, have them define their personality in three words as well. What's interesting is there's either continuity in how you describe yourself, another see you, or there are opportunity gaps. Either way, you're better off as a result because it's providing you the opportunity to self-reflect you're hearing some kind words from other folks, which they say the one thing that we never get enough of in this world is appreciation. So that's mm -hmm. always great. And then the third phenomenon that might potentially happen is that you are way off and it gives <laughs> you an opportunity to, uh, to check and see, you know, why is Chris seeing me this way? Or what am I doing potentially that's driving his viewpoint of who I present myself to be? That's a really great point. And I think it brings us to another area that is really important for people in healthcare today right now. One of the most really intriguing things happening in American healthcare today is patient consumerism. Patient choice is higher than ever. The range of ways that you engage with potential patients is really broad, yet the effective ways of reaching people are still very specific and individualized. It's no longer good enough for say your doctor or nurse to just have that good bedside manner that we usually associate with a healthcare provider. That's a vital piece for marketing your, your healthcare as a service provider. Even if patients A, B, and C come in with the same issues, they're all different individuals. So there's so much that's important about communicating one-on-one. -on -one. What's your advice to someone? who may not have been formally trained in some of those interpersonal skills about seeking out someone else's perspective. And on the same note, communicating that the other person has been heard and that what they say has meaning and value to you. Well, first of all, that was a phenomenal segue from the foundation aspect of fun into understanding others' perspectives, which is the you. So Bingo. You know, Chris, you hit the nail on the head. You know, the cost of healthcare is going up. Uh, health insurance and out-of-pocket expenses are ridiculous. They're, they're super high. But all that while, while access is going down. And so it's really challenging. So what do you do to differentiate yourself? You know, before I answer your question, I'd like to give you a very brief example of um, my, my wife and I had a, uh, a child about two years ago, Brennan Royal, named after Will Ferrell's character in Step Brothers in the 2014 World Series run by the Kids City Royals. And what's interesting is, you know, the, these nurses, they have shifts. And whenever there was a shift change, I would actually see the behavior of my wife and her demeanor change. There was one lady by the name of Julie that she was super well connected with and she felt great. And every time Julie came into the room, man, it was like a breath of fresh air. Then there was a shift change. And when Nancy came in, it was like the light just completely exited the room. There was a stress about my wife. She didn't really enjoy interacting with Nancy. Nancy was always short and seemed like she was never present and she was on to the next thing. And so to your point, how do you differentiate yourself? If, if you don't have that bedside manner, what do you do to truly 
drive connection with your customers, especially right now when, you know, if indeed you're a hospital or something like that, much of your, your, your reimbursements are dependent on HCAP scores. Yep. So it's crucial that you're forming a strong connection with your customer, but also that you have a strong, you know, end to end practice uh, or, or process where people understand that you genuinely care about them. So first thing I would do is, Oftentimes when you're out and about and you're communicating with folks, the top three things that come up in conversation, and Chris, I'm sure you've heard this before, are work, weather, and family. And the same thing holds true when you're in a hospital room. You know, hey, do you have family? Hey, how's, how are the kids? What do they feel about all of this? You know, tell me about your wife and all that stuff, which is great. But oftentimes, since everybody else is talking about that same thing, you could truly differentiate yourself by forcing the consumer to think. And what I mean by that is, what if you asked questions that got them to think about things that lifted them up? What if you found their fundamentalism? Like, what's the greatest vacation you ever went on? Or if indeed you could alleviate fear, Chris, what's one thing that you would like to accomplish? Or when's the last time you had a gut-busting laughter? You know, when you, when you ask questions like that, it forces people to think. And I'll, I'll wrap up my answer with this last example. When I had the opportunity to meet Noah Wilson, the young six-year-old boy that I was referencing earlier in our conversation who was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma cancer, I was excited to meet him. But when I walked into his room, I was overcome with fear and anxiety. And what came over me was this thought of, you know, how could I look at this young boy, six years old, and not see the reflection of our two and five-year-old respectively and, and worry about our children being in the same boat? Or how could I, very similar to how, you know, physicians and nurses and anybody in healthcare think, how could I lift this young boy up, even if it's just for 30 seconds to where he's not thinking about this terrible disorder or disease? And so I walked over and I sat on his bedside. And I asked him, I looked him right into his eyes and I said, hey, Noah, I knew it was a big Royals fan. I said, tell me about the Royals, man. And he smiled a little bit and he started talking about this, this phenomenal run that they're on. And his, his eyes lit up a little bit more. And the last question I asked him was about Marvel Avengers. He's really into superheroes. And I gifted him a, a Hulk, the incredible Hulk bow tie that I had on and I had one made custom for him. And his eyes were glowing and he was on cloud nine. And he was super excited. And for that one moment, if it was indeed for only two minutes, he was thinking about things that lifted him up as opposed to the things that tore him down. And I believe that if our healthcare providers did more of that and asked questions that got people to think about the things that, that made them smile and gave them joy, then they might be willing to come back and work with that same physician again. Yeah. Those concepts of empathy and curiosity yes. are just so crucial. And it's, so, it's probably easier to hire for than to just train someone who doesn't already exhibit those traits. I think Great you talked a little bit about the difference between having that curious response versus a furious response when you, you have that sort of fear or anxiety in dealing with someone new. Well, and I think that goes back to your purpose too. So when thinking about are you curious or furious in approaching any situation, you know, oftentimes compassion fatigue is a real phenomenon right now. And burnout is, is high in the healthcare industry. And so oftentimes when we're walking through our, our, you know, our job, we're working these tens or twelves or whatever it may be, and we're discouraged by the lack of appreciation that maybe our leadership shows or that we feel as though we can't spend time or as much time with our patients as we desire to because we got to churn them and burn them as much as possible. 
Well, you get frustrated and, and some folks, they get really furious and that burnout happens. And they ask themselves questions like, why, why am I in this role? And you know, I'm going to think about leaving this. Well, the curious individuals, they take a look in the mirror and they look at their purpose and they remember why did they get into this field to begin with? That never left. I mean, that reason why you got into healthcare industry, if it was because you cared about people or you wanted to see them smile or you wanted to see them on their path to, to health, that didn't die. It didn't go away. There's just been some challenges in getting you to see that on a regular basis. So as we transition from the understanding others perspective and getting into next steps, it's crucial if you want to have more fun, joy, and fulfillment in healthcare that you got to get back to your roots and understand what gives you strength and start being a little more curious as opposed to furious in any situation. I'm really glad you brought up burnout because obviously that's a huge issue in healthcare. It's not just physicians, you know, nurses, even med students, stress, exhaustion, feelings of lacking fulfillment, but it's not just an issue in healthcare. I recently sat in a three hour workshop on workplace issues the speaker made a really good point about how five days out of seven, we're at work. Some of us more than that. And that those other two days sometimes lead people into the idea of thinking that those two days are just to prepare you for the next five days, the laundry, right. the shopping, the cleaning. And, you know, that can affect anyone. What do you encourage for the sort of affirmations or setting an optimistic outlook, you know, regardless whether you're in healthcare, healthcare administration, or whatever it is that you do in life? One of my biggest challenges in becoming a speaker is marketing this concept of fun because oftentimes there are leaders out there that look at fun as potentially a inhibitor to performance. So fun to me is not just a, a word or, you know, being crazy, silly, you know, any of that jazz. It truly is. How do you present yourself and how do you live your life? So when folks ask me, Paul, do you ever have a bad day? Typically, I always answer with a resounding yes, of course, I have bad days. But what I do when I'm having a bad day or a bad week is I gravitate towards the things that give me strength. So when we're exploring next steps and when folks are going through burnout or compassion fatigue or whatever it may be, what happens is we're so focused on all the crap that's not working that we're not, we're not seeing all the stuff that is. And so there are phenomenal things happening all around us all the time. But when you're hypersensitive to all the things that aren't working, you can't see it. So it's my belief that, that some of these individuals that are super unhappy in their you know, job or at home or whatever it may be, it's not that bad things happen to them and only them. It's that they are expecting bad things to happen. So it's all that they see. So to answer your question, what advice would I give anybody dealing with, you know, burnout or stress, anxiety, whatever it may be? It's simple, Chris. Gravitate towards the things that lift you up more than the things that tear you down. I recently was going through the airport here at MCI in Kansas City, and TSAs get a bad rap. Shout out to the TSAs right now working their butts off and not getting paid. Right. But what's interesting about there's, there's often, just as there are in law enforcement, healthcare, speakers, and everything, there's, there's great individuals in TSA, and there's folks that maybe they shouldn't be in that role. Well, I'm walking through the x-ray machine recently, and I heard one TSA say to another, what letter are we on? And so I go up to that gentleman, and I say, hey, what are you doing? He said, hey, well, we like to create a little game where I ask my buddy a letter that starts, or a word that starts with whatever letter we're on in the alphabet. 
And then I have to use that word seamlessly in my conversations with my guests as they come through the x-ray machine. I'm like, oh my gosh, that is amazing. That is one way to create a little game in a monotonous situation. So that's what I call a fundamental. Uh, that is a fundamental of a fun and optimistic lifestyle. Do more fundamentals and you will live more fundamentalism. So if that means listening to music, if that means that getting away, you have to go out for a walk, if that means that you have to get out in nature and, and see the garden where your respective hospital or, or doctor's office is, if it means that you're going to share a kind word to a stranger, if you're going to take five minutes out of your day to reflect and ask yourself, what's the best thing that's happened to me today? All of these things are what I call fundamentals, and there's literally millions of them. But nobody could be you better than you, Chris. I'm not going to ask anybody to do me, get out and wear a cat suit out at Royal Stadium. <laughs> but what I will ask you to do is find something that makes you smile and do more of that. And that's the kind of stuff you're going to be talking about on Friday, January 25th, Connecting the Workplace and Life Through FUN Fun. Of course, again, the book, Fundamism, Connecting to Life Through FUN. Can you help uh, plug all the stuff you got going on, Paul? Uh, you can learn more on fundamism.com. The book has been or was a Amazon bestseller for a month. Don't take my word for it. There's roughly 93 reviews in there, all five-star talking about not just how people felt when reading the book, but the very tactical exercises that are included in the book. It actually is accompanied by a workbook that's included inside that forces an environment where people can self-reflect and think about who they surround themselves with and what they do for fun. So if you want to learn more about that, you could search on Amazon for Fundamism Connected to Life Through Fun. My name, Paul J. Long. You could also go to the fundamism.com website. Uh, our Fundamism podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, any streaming platform. We've had some phenomenal guests. And ultimately, the purpose of that podcast is just to showcase what could potentially happen when you ask people the questions that they're not being asked on a regular basis. Awesome. And then just because I love numbers and stats, give me a ballpark figure. How many bow ties do you own? Great question. I own over 100. I got everything from the Chiefs on right now to Family Guy, to Star Wars, to Marvel Adventures, and then, of course, the more uh, conservative blues, reds, greens, all that jazz. But interestingly enough, the gentleman that cuts my hair, he actually makes bow ties. I didn't know this, but he customized bow ties, and any pattern that I want, he'll make a bow tie out of it. And then do you want to give any other information about Noah's Bandage Project? Yes. Uh, thank you very much for that, Chris. That's absolutely amazing. So, you know, only 4% of federal research uh, cancer funding goes to pediatrics. And this gentleman, Noah Wilson, who I will talk more about in my keynote, he changed my life because he always was inspiring other people and always, uh, you know, in the face of adversity, always found ways to shower others with kindness and thoughtful words. So if you want to learn more about Noah's Bandage Project, please go to noahsbandageproject.com. We have two primary functions. We collect fun bandages for kids going through the struggle, and we raise money for pediatric cancer research. So since this boy created this 501c3, we have effectively collected over 2 million individual bandages, and we have a grant in the amount of $1 million for pediatric cancer research here locally for Children's Mercy Hospital. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for all you do with that. And we'll see you here in Denver later in January. Thanks, Chris. I'm really looking forward to it. Appreciate it, brother. Thanks, Paul. 